You want to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 28. A short series, 11-week series, in the middle of Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 1 through 17 this morning. You can read along with me. Jeremiah 28, verse 1. Now in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the presence, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I'm going to bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I'm also going to bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon." Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests, in the presence of all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord confirm your words, which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. Yet hear now this word which I am about to speak in your hearing in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who were before me and before you from ancient times prophesied against many lands and against great kingdoms of war and calamity and pestilence. The prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then that prophet will be known as the one whom the Lord has truly sent. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke from the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, and broke it. Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Even so will I break within two full years the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations. Then the prophet Jeremiah went his way. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah, the prophet, had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and speak to Hananiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have broken the yoke of wood, but you have made instead them yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of these nations that may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. They will serve him, and I have also given him the beasts of the field. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah the prophet, Now listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am about to remove you from the face of this earth. This year you are going to die because you have counseled rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died in the same year in the seventh month.
What do you do when you get totally slammed? When someone comes against you and everything that you believe in your heart that you're doing for the Lord and just confronts you and says, you are dead wrong. What do you do? Well, the physicians tell us there's such a thing called the fight or flight syndrome. Have you heard about that? Fight or flight. When you're threatened, adrenaline starts running, and what do you do? You fight. That's the first natural response is you get your passion up and you go get them. You get them and you fight against them and everything they're saying. Or the second uh, response that you get is rather than fighting, you flight. You run away. You get on your pony and get out of town. Fight or flight. Well, Jeremiah has been slammed by Hananiah. We'll see that in just a moment. And rather than doing what's natural, which is natural with the adrenaline running in our body, fight or flight, he doesn't do what's natural, but he does what is supranatural in his response to being slammed by Hananiah. And I believe that he can be of real help to each one of us when this happens to us. And so I want to take a look at it this morning. I want to look at the offense and then I want to look at Jeremiah's response to the offense in the hope to give us, myself included, a reminder of what we need to do when that happens to us so that we might honor the Lord in what we say and what we do when someone repudiates what we know is the will of the Lord. So, let's take a look. Now, in order to understand what's happening here in chapter 28, we have to take a look at chapter 27, which sets the context. Turn there back with me for just a moment. Chapter 27. We didn't read it because we're very familiar with Jeremiah's message. Verse 1, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah. And so beginning in verse 2 and following, he has this prophecy. And it is in the year, the beginning of Zedekiah. Now, uh, verse 28, chapter 28, verse 1, tells us in the same year, Hananiah said what we read. As a matter of fact, it's the fourth year of Zedekiah. Why is that important? Zedekiah was the king for 11 years. Seven years after this happened, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was burned. Most of the people were exiled, if not killed. So, seven years to the end. And so Jeremiah, at the beginning of Zedekiah's ministry, sets forth what this king should do and how the people of Israel should respond to what God is doing. Notice in verse 2 of chapter 27, he makes a wooden yoke, and it's a picture, it's a visible picture of what they're to do, and they are to submit to Nebuchadnezzar. They are to yield to him, they are to serve him. That is the word that Jeremiah is given. 
Jeremiah tells them that this has happened because the Lord is disciplining them because they have forsaken the Lord their God and have been serving the gods of the Canaanite people. And so God has brought this upon them as a word to discipline them. And so he tells them, yield to my discipline, take the yoke upon you, give yourself and serve the king of Babylon because it is from me that this is happening. Now he tells them also in chapter 27, if you rebel against this, you will die, verse 13, by the sword, famine, pestilence. I'm going to bring that, if you you don't submit to this. And then twice in chapter 27 he says, now if a prophet comes along and tells you that this is not happening, do not listen to him. Do not listen to him because he's speaking a lie to you. Okay. That's what Jeremiah said in chapter 27. In the same year, maybe a couple of months, if not a couple of weeks later, Hananiah comes forth in the presence of everyone, in the presence of the priests, his peers, and all the people in the house of the Lord, and he says what he says. That's the context. Okay? Now let's take a look at the offense. The offense is found in verses 1 through 4 and verses 10 through 11 and then 12 through 16. Let's take a look. First thing that we see in verses 1 through 4 and 10 through 11 is Hananiah publicly repudiated Jeremiah's ministry. He publicly repudiated Jeremiah's ministry. He said in verses 1 through 4, everything that Jeremiah said is not going to happen. Matter of fact, in two years, everything's going to come back. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. You're not going to have to submit to the king of Babylon anymore. He, He goes against everything that Jeremiah had said just a few weeks before. And then in verses 10 and 11, he takes the wooden yoke off Jeremiah, which was the picture of what they should do. He breaks it. And he comes against everything that in his heart, Jeremiah knows to be true. It's something that God has birthed in him and burned in his heart. And he says, in two years, you're going to be free. We're going to bring back all the exiles. We're going to bring back all of the articles that were stolen out of the temple that are now in Babylon. They're going to be restored to this temple. So Hananiah publicly repudiates Jeremiah's ministry. Then look at verses 13 through 16. Hananiah has made things worse. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, now I have put on you a yoke of wood, which represented everything that they had to submit to being the king of Babylon was going to be in control of them. Zedekiah was only a vassal king. He was just kind of a servant. And he said, I have given you a yoke of wood, but now, Hananiah, what you've done, you've made it what? A yoke of iron. You've made it worse by your words and what you've said. And what you've done. You've made it worse for the people. How so? Look with me in verses 12 through 16. 
First thing that we see, his ministry was a sham. It was a sham. The Lord didn't send him. The Lord didn't send him. Look at verse 15. He says, now listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. Now what Hananiah said wasn't so bad that they'd be free from the king of Babylon within two years. All the exiles would come home. All the goods that had been stolen from the temple would be brought back. But he was not speaking the Lord of the word of the Lord. What was he speaking? He was speaking what was on his own heart. Nothing bad about what he said, except it wasn't from the Lord. It was his own soulish response to the conditions they found himself in. His ministry was a sham because the Lord hadn't told him and the Lord hadn't sent him. Notice verse 15. He had caused the people to trust in a lie. Notice what he says. You have made this people to trust in a lie. And what was the lie? That everything's okay. The Lord's going to bless you. What you've been doing by serving the, these false gods, it's okay. God's not going to punish you. Everything's going to be fine. Matter of fact, you're going to be blessed. That was a lie. God wasn't pleased with what he was doing. He had sent Nebuchadnezzar to discipline them because they had left the worship of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they were worshiping false gods. It was a lie what, what Hananiah was saying. God wasn't going to bless them. Notice thirdly, he counseled them rebellion against the Lord. Verse 16. You have counseled rebellion against the Lord. How so? Well, God was telling them, you need to submit to Babylon. You need to submit to the, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. You need to yield to him. You need to accept this. But what did they do? Well, no, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do what the Lord has said. And as a matter of fact, in seven short years, they would rebel against what God wanted to do with them. And the temple would be burned, the city would be destroyed, and the people either killed or exiled, a majority of them, to Babylon. He was counseling them to rebel against that which God had set before them for their own good. And they continued on in their present actions, not turning back to the Lord, but worshiping the false gods of the Canaanites. So Hananiah publicly repudiated Jeremiah's ministry, and he really made things worse. The offense essentially was twofold. It was against the person of Jeremiah. Okay? How so? Well, this is, we're not talking about the difference, you know, theological difference between, say, today, like, is sprinkling better than dunking? You know, we're not talking about something difference in baptisms. We're talking something that was at the very core of what he knew to be true. This was at the very heart of his ministry and what God had birthed in his heart. This is something he, he would give his life for. And secondly... Jeremiah knew what the results would be. 
He knew what was going to happen if they did not listen to him, but yielded to the false prophecy of Hananiah. He knew that his beloved people would be exiled. He knew that his beloved city would be burned. He knew that the temple, his beloved temple, would be destroyed. Okay. That's the offense. That's what's going on. Now, what's the response? What is the response? That's the context. That's what Hananiah was saying. And that's how much it meant to the heart of Jeremiah. Let's take a look. Now it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says this, that as far as it depends on you, we're to do what? Be at peace with all men. Isn't that what the Bible says? As much as it depends on us, because some people you just can't, <laughs> you can't live with peace with them. But as far as it depends on you, if you're a Christian, you're to live with at peace with all men. That's what the Bible says. Now it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're to put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, <laughs> clamor, and slander. That's what the Bible says, right? Amen? Okay. How do you do that <laughs> in this kind of situation? What do you do? How do you honor the Lord when something like this has happened to you? Three things we see in Jeremiah. First, verse 6. Jeremiah was slow to speak. Jeremiah was slow to speak. Notice verse 6. Amen. May the Lord do so. May the, now, this is Jeremiah's first response to what Hananiah said to him. May the Lord do so. May the Lord confirm your words, which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of that Lord's house and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. What? When you first read, as a casual reading, you're saying, in light of what he says later in Jeremiah 28 and what he has said in 27, it doesn't seem to make any sense. What's going on here? Hold on, hold on, and let's let's see if we can understand what Jeremiah is doing here. Notice what he says. He says, Amen. May the Lord bring back the vessels from the house of the Lord. Bring it back to the house of the Lord. And may the Lord bring the exiles back from Babylon. You know what? That's going to happen. But not in two years. (laughs) In 70 years. Okay, so he's agreeing, he's agreeing in essence with what Hananiah said because in that part of Hananiah's prophecy, it was true. The things would be brought back. Things would be brought back to the temple of the Lord and the exiles would come back, not in two years, but 70 years. So that's the first point which we understand, verse 6. But also, he's not immediately responding to Hananiah's prophecy, but he's slow to speak. He's waiting for the Lord to give him the words to say. He's giving time for God to put together his response. He was slow to speak. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, David calls Nathan the prophet. Do you remember the story? He calls Nathan the prophet. He says, you know, 
I'm really kind of bummed out that I'm living in a house of cedar, but the ark is residing in a tent. And you know, I'm thinking about building a temple for the, for the ark of the covenant, for the Lord. And what does Nathan say? Go ahead, do whatever you want. That sounds like a great idea. And so Nathan goes back home, and then later on that night, the Lord says, wait a minute, wait a minute, Nathan, you need to go back. Go back to David, tell him, no, 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 no. No, you're not going to, it's your descendant, Solomon, who's going to build the temple. And then he gives him a blessing. He says, you know, that the seed of David will continue on. What was the problem there? Well, Nathan was too quick to speak. He just spoke out of his heart. Yeah, go ahead. That sounds like a great idea, David. Yeah, build that temple. That's not what the Lord wanted him to do. And sometimes we need to be slow to speak. Just don't. Why is that? Because oftentimes our first response is from our own soul, our own passions, our own need to defend ourselves, our own anger at what they've said. Amen. Be slow to speak. Why do I say that? Well, I've included a New Testament passage, James chapter. Where am I? James chapter 1. Let me read that passage to you. James 1, 19 and 20. Here it is. This you know, my beloved, but everyone, that's included us, must be quick to hear, but what? Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Why? Verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. There it is. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. Why? Because oftentimes when you're quick to speak, what comes out? Your own defensiveness, your own anger, your own soulish response, rather than what God would have you to say. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Our first response, our first response is often an overreaction, is often an overreaction to the offense that's been committed against our person. And so James advises us to be slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Many, many years ago, I had a man take me out for a Mylanta breakfast. It wasn't that I had Mylanta for breakfast, but after that breakfast, I needed a Mylanta. He just raked me over the coals of all the terrible things I had done supposedly to him. And I listened and I listened. And the problem was that in several times I had gone out of my way to help him and his family and his business. And I was deeply offended and hurt by what he said to me. So I got back to the office and I was seething. Would be That would be light. That would be a light description of where I was emotionally. I was seething. 
And I sat down and I wrote this letter. And I just cut and burned and slashed him. Man, I got him. I folded that letter up. I put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and I mailed it. Eh, wrong response, Neil. Wrong response. You know why? Because the Bible says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. That letter came back at me over and over again for the next three to four months. As he showed everybody what kind of evil person Pastor Neil was. I should have taken that letter, written it, ah, there, I feel better, and then taken it and shredded it and thrown it in the trash. First response. First response. Be slow to speak. Second response. Found in verses 7 through 9. Jeremiah confronted error with biblical truth. He confronted error with biblical truth. Look what he says. After having said this, amen, he says in verse 6, he says, yeah, yeah, wait, wait. Now, hear this word which I'm about to speak. And then he quotes from the instructions that are found in Deuteronomy concerning prophets and prophesies and people who prophesy. Let me read what he was quoting. It's Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is from the hand of Moses. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 18. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of another gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, Well, how will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Verse 22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if a thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. And so what he does is he lays a base. And what's the base? He confronts Error with biblical truth. With biblical truth. Now over the years, people come to me from time to time and say, you know, God told me to do such and such, or God told me to move to so and so. And when they say that, what am I supposed to say? If somebody tells me, God told them we have to move to Kalamazoo, Michigan... What am I going to say to them? Now, don't get offended at this, but oftentimes people use what I call God talk. Do you know what God talk is? God talk is their way of silencing any kind of response that you would have to what they just said. So if somebody says to you, well, God told me I need to move to Kalamazoo, Michigan, what are you going to say? Well, if God told you... I guess you should. Is that the response? I mean, what are you going to say? However, if someone says to me, well, God told me that I'm supposed to divorce my mate and marry another, or I am to uh, misappropriate some of the money in my business, in, in the company that I work for because they're not paying for my... Ah, now. <laughs> okay. Now I can talk. Why? Because I can confront the error with what? 
biblical truth. Now, look with me in Luke just for a moment. Luke chapter 4. In this passage, the devil comes to Jesus. Remember the temptation? And he says, um, Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. Why don't you make those, those stones bread? How does Jesus respond? Does he respond this way? Well, you know, I was really hoping for surf and turf, some lobster and steak. I'm not really interested. No, 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 he doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, he confronts the error of the temptation with the word of God, biblical truth. Man shall not live by bread alone. The next temptation, he says, ah, listen, the devil says, I'm going to give you the whole, all the kings of this world. How does Jesus respond? Well, you know, I'm only right in first, my first coming, I'm only interested in Israel, so I'll just take Israel. No, 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 he doesn't say that. What does he say? You shall worship the Lord God and serve him only. Same thing with the pinnacle of the temple. He takes him to the pinnacle. Go ahead and jump off. God will preserve you. And Jesus doesn't say, whoa, you know, I really got uh, vertigo and I don't need to get close to that top. No, no, no. He says, you shall not put the Lord your God to death. What does he do? He lays a foundation. He confronts error with biblical truth. Now, here's the problem. If you, if you can't find biblical truth to confront the error, then where are you moving? You're moving from rock to what? Shifting sand, aren't you? Because it's just he said, she said. Well, God told me, you know, you're moving back. You've got, you got nothing to stand on. Here's where, you, here's where you deal with it. You confront error with biblical truth. Finally, third response Jeremiah spoke God's word as prompted by the Lord. Notice in verses 12 through 16. After he had taken the yoke off Jeremiah, Hananiah was was spoken to, and it says, you go speak to Hananiah now, right now. He gives him the time, and he gives him the word. Jeremiah spoke God's word prompted by the Lord. The Lord was telling him, now is the time to speak and here is what I want you to tell him. Why is that important? Because his word, what he's about to say to Hananiah, will not be fouled by his own soulish response. 2 Timothy 4 says, preach the word because... Towards the end of times, everybody will want their ears tickled. They want to hear what they want to hear rather than hear the word. And we need to share the word of God. And we need to share it when it's time to. Sometimes we have the word, but it's not the right time. Sometimes we have the right time, but we don't share God's word and the truth of the scriptures. Okay, so Jeremiah was slow to speak. He confronted error with biblical truth and he spoke God's word as prompted by the Lord. Then look at the response. Jeremiah's ministry was approved by the Lord. You notice that verse 17. Now this is kind of weird, but it happened just as Jeremiah had said. He says, this year, Hananiah, verse 16, you are going to die. Two months later, Hananiah was dead. It also validates what was said in in Deuteronomy. Remember? If he prophesies, 
and he, in my name and he's not come, that prophet shall die. It happened just as Jeremiah said. And God is validating and approving Jeremiah's ministry, is he not? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, you know, I have a clear conscience, but I'm not worried too much about what you think about my ministry. Go home and read that passage. I'm not so concerned about what you think about my ministry, nor am I so much concerned about what I think about my ministry. You know who I'm concerned about? Who thinks about my ministry? It's the Lord who approves my ministry. It's the Lord who will hold me accountable. It's the Lord who's going to judge me. And so people come and go. (laughs) People say all sorts of things. You have all sorts of feelings. And feelings are just that. They're feelings. But, here's the important point. It's God who's going to approve and validate what you do. You don't need to worry about them, nor do you have, well, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Oh, really? The Lord will validate and approve your ministry. Two applications from this and we'll close. First application, we need to be circumspect. We need to circumspect in what we say and what we do. Why is that important? Because the Lord is going to judge you. The Lord is going to approve you. The Lord is the one who validates what you say and do. So in those kind of times, you need to be careful to make sure that what you say and what you do honors the Lord. And the second application is, we don't have to be about the business of defending ourselves, guys. We don't have to be about the business of defending ourselves or giving a soulish response to someone who has slandered us. Rather, we need to be slow to speak. We need to confront error with biblical truth. And we need to speak the word of God when he prompts us. That is the response that honors God when something like this happens to us. Thank the Lord for Jeremiah and the way he handled that situation. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We pray. When that time comes when someone would say something about our ministry or even perhaps even in business say something about us, that we remember Jeremiah and his very gracious and Christ-honoring response to what was a very difficult situation. May that be true for each one of us as we have the Word of God and we have the Spirit of God that would enable us to do what is supernatural when these things come upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.